Hey, welcome to Big Happy Life, the show that's all about shaping your thoughts and actions so that life feels easier, you get more done, you feel more in control, and you have a bit more fun along the way. I'm your host, Natalie Britt, and this week we're talking about the actions that follow decisions. Last week we started looking at the psychology of decision making, and one of the key mistakes we make is that we don't always plan very well for the actions we need to take following a decision, and then we end up thinking we've made the wrong choice, but in actual fact we've taken the wrong actions. So this week we're looking at how you can combat that and prepare so that you take the right actions and you're ready to achieve a goal you've set as a result of a decision you've made. In this episode, we'll explore motivation. It's the first of three tips I'll share with you, one each week. And this one is about how your thought process that led you to make the decision determines the actions you then choose as the thing begins to unfold. Once again, the things I'll be sharing with you have a psychological basis. And I'm really excited about this episode because a lot of the things I'll be sharing with you are the things I've applied in my own life that have started to turn things around for me. And so I'm hoping if these are new to you, that they'll do the same for you. As I mentioned, there are three tips. The first one, the one we'll be covering this week, is to examine your motivation. As a rule, you tend to do better when you are motivated towards something rather than when you are motivated away from something else. This was kind of mind-blowing to me the first time I heard it because it had never occurred to me that there even was such a thing or that it mattered. When you're motivated towards something, you have a clearly defined goal. You have something you're aiming at. You can visualize it or describe it or explain it, write it down, whatever it is. There's something aspirational, something future, and something to aim at. And of course, that shapes your actions in very different ways than when you're motivated by something that's behind you, something you're trying to get away from. So when you're trying to get away from something, there's something behind you that you no longer want and you are moving away from it. So if you imagine, let's say you're in a job and you don't like your boss, away from motivation would be, I need to leave this job because I want to get away from my boss. Towards motivation would be, I want to get a new job in this area because I want to do X. That's not to say you like your boss anymore, but if you did dislike your boss, that wouldn't become the driving force behind the decision for the next job you take, and it therefore wouldn't inform the actions when it comes to finding the right job for you. So the difference between towards and away from motivation is that when you're motivated away from something, often anything will do as long as it's not the thing you're trying to get away from. But that leaves you open to the possibility that you'll go down a road and it'll turn out to be the wrong road because all you cared about was what you were getting away from. But when you take the time to work out what it is you're aiming towards, you can focus more clearly and you can choose your actions far better. So you don't waste as much time and you don't go around in circles as much. And you're also far less likely to end up going down a road, making all of that effort and then arriving at a destination. You later go, actually, this isn't where I wanted to be at all. The other thing about away from motivation is that it primes the mind for the wrong things. Priming basically determines what you pay attention to. So it's used a lot in psychological experiments where the researcher will prime the mind of the participant and then examine how that priming shapes their decision making, how they perceive certain things that are put in front of them, how they remember certain things. And what you find is that the different ways that the researcher has primed the mind of the participant changes what they see, what they remember and what they do. And the same is true for us when we make a decision and then we have to act upon it. So when you've gotten away from motivation, you might be primed by an emotion like fear, fear of failure, fear of making a fool of yourself, fear of rejection. It could be all kinds of different things. So every time it's time to take action, this is another little micro decision on the way to whatever the big decision was all about. You then are primed to go, "Ooh, I really want this, so I should do that. Or I really don't want that, so I should do this. 
It turns out, in terms of action, there is a massive difference between the desire to succeed and the desire not to fail. These mindsets drive our actions in completely different ways, so it's really, really useful to pay attention to how your mindset is priming your choices about actions. The other way that this towards or away from motivation can prime us is in terms of the things we actually notice, the signs of success or failure in the environment as we move towards achieving the goal that was the result of the decision that we made. This can be things like mistakes we've made or feedback from other people or results we get from things we've tried. We interpret that information and then decide what to do next. So here we are again with these little micro decisions all the way through in order to get to the point of the big goal. This is because most of the information we're making sense of is kind of gray area and it's all open to interpretation. So the priming determines how you interpret information. You know, you make a mistake, you're primed for success and you think, okay, that's one thing I know I need to change or you're primed for fear, a fear of failure, and you make a mistake, then that becomes proof that it's not gonna work. In each case, you can see how those different thought processes or primes would change the action that follows. So let's say, for example, you've decided to take an opportunity to give a presentation at work. There'll be some senior people in the audience. It's a great chance to showcase some of the work you've been doing and maybe get funding for another project. It's a big deal. When it comes to things like presentations, most of us are primed by fear. This is an away from motivation. So all we want to do is get through it as best we can without making a fool of ourselves. Now that's not to say you haven't thought, I really want to do well, I want to give the best presentation I can. But every time you think about it, that feeling of fear rises. You're so scared that what you end up doing is focusing on ways to keep yourself safe rather than focusing on ways to make this the most interesting, dynamic, fascinating presentation it could possibly be that would be towards motivation. So the away from motivation that primed by fear or any kind of negative emotion will potentially cause you to take actions that will make you play it safe. You might use an old presentation you've had before because you know how that one works. So it's not dynamic or interesting. It's not novel. They've heard it all before, but it's a safe bet. You can't go wrong with it. Whereas if you were motivated towards some kind of dynamic result, something you wanted to achieve because of the presentation, ways you wanted those senior people to be talking, asking questions, things you wanted to draw their attention to, how they would perceive you, all of that stuff, you might create something far more dynamic, far more interesting. You'd have to take a leap out of your comfort zone, but you would do that because the thing you're imagining requires it. Greater risk, greater reward. Now, as I mentioned in last week's episode, our big decisions are really single decisions. They are a collection of micro decisions all culminating in a particular outcome. So if we stick with the presentation example, let's say you've put this presentation together, you've gone with the safe option, and what you end up noticing as you're giving your presentation is people are checking their phones, there are a couple of whispered conversations here and there, and you start thinking, oh God, everyone's bored. This is going so badly. You get distracted, you start to fumble your words, your throat dries up, and the presentation doesn't go as you wished. But what many of us fail to recognize is those clues we saw in the environment, the people checking their phones and the whispered conversations, were open to interpretation. But what we were primed with, and the feelings we were carrying with us already, determined how we interpreted what we were seeing. So let's imagine that you had the towards motivation and you had created this incredibly dynamic presentation. Now, people on their phones, you might interpret that as they're emailing other people to go, oh my God, this is amazing. The whispered conversations, same thing. So it gives you more confidence and you start to kind of gather momentum and you start to get excited about what you're talking about. 
and your presentation becomes even more fascinating and interesting to them. So the most important thing to remember about the type of motivation you bring and how that primes your feelings is that as you enter into any decision, as you take the actions required to make any decision work, you're going to have lots of stuff that's going to come at you, lots of things that are going to be open to interpretation. And how you've entered into the decision will determine, A, how well you framed the goal of your decision, how clear is it to you that you know what you're aiming at, so that the required actions become more obvious as well, and B, how well you're interpreting the signals that suggest success or failure, and then determine the next decision that you make. Having towards motivation doesn't guarantee success, but it certainly makes it a lot easier. And since part of what Big Happy Life is about is just enjoying the process, well, it seems to me that if you gave a presentation that you were on fire with and really loving, that's probably much more fun than standing there talking while you think everyone's bored, falling asleep and hating every minute. By the same token, a life where a mistake is an opportunity for learning and growth and change versus giving up and forgetting your goals altogether, I'd definitely choose growth. When I talk about this kind of thing in training courses, people often worry that there's this kind of voodoo positivism, this kind of Pollyanna approach to things where you're not looking at reality, you're ignoring the signs in order to kind of push through. And that's not at all what I'm suggesting. What we're looking at here is where things are open to interpretation and by interpreting them in ways that make you feel more resilient, more able, more in control, then the likelihood is you'll take further actions and you'll keep moving towards the goal that was associated with the decision you made in the first place. But when you start looking at things and going, it's never going to work, it's a massive mess, then you're far more likely to stop. So your actions shift and cause you to retreat from the decision you made in the first place and the actions that it required. So that's really what this tip or this rule is all about. Be clear about your motivation where possible Aim towards something and be clear about what it is. That'll make it far easier to work out what actions would lead you towards the thing you're trying to get to. Define what success is for you in this particular situation and aim at that. What would the signs be? What are the things you're looking for in your environment that confirm you're going in the right direction? Thinking this way makes you far more likely to get buoyed up and energized by the signs of success than to be taken down by the signs of failure. And when your mind is strong in this way, if you do find signs that things are not working, then it's time to course correct rather than give up. So that's it for tip number one. Next week, we look at tip number two, which is planning. There are good ways to plan and bad ways to plan. And we'll explore the good ways so that you can set things up in such a way that you can minimize decision fatigue, you can shape your environment in ways that make it easier for you to take the actions you need to take, and you can basically set yourself up for success before you even take your first step. I hope you'll join me next week to hear more on that. Everything we've covered this week is in the show notes pages. You'll find those on bighappylife.co.uk and you can also click the link in the podcast itself to go straight there. I'd love your comments and questions as always. But for now, thanks for listening. 